0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Minor League News and Brews. As you will see, the title of this one is Meet Me in St. Louis, Take Two. I was in St. Louis. I was at Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, and their Wi-Fi was on the fritz because they didn't expect to have, I believe it was, five wedding parties and all their guests coming in. I... Uh, I was trying to get on my digital hotspot. And when that started to pop up, uh, so did everyone else as I was trying to keep them out. But it didn't really work so well. So sorry, guys, no minor league news and brews. But back here in the basement uh, to talk about the Pirates Farm system, how things are going. Uh, but first thing I want to do is kind of highlight things that I see across the internet and it's not all bad stuff. I mean, people are interested in, in the minor leagues and the pirates, minor leagues. And, and I I love that. I live for that, but I I just kind of want to educate fans a little bit. And I like to be educated myself. So, I mean, I reach out to some of the experts. I reach out to some of the players just to get the feedback of, you know, things that I should be looking for and things that, you know, might stick out a little bit so the thing that i call um, a lot of people that are following minor league baseball and and, and starting to post about it and that would be uh, the big thing for me is i mean a lot of people follow minor league bo- baseball but i i notice a lot of people also starting to to post about it and they're picking out uh, particular stats uh, and I like to call these guys the uh, the box score hunters, and for some reason, every single time I say it in my my head, I I like sing it to the tune of Jukebox Hero. Uh, not going to do that for you guys, but you can kind of picture, you know, or imagine in your own head uh, kind of how that would go. But I just want to take you guys like through the system, from you know. The, the low A Bradenton Marauders up through the high A Greensboro Grasshoppers, double A Altoona Curve, and then up to the Indianapolis Indians. And it's the stats that, that I kind of look for. I mean, I'm watching the games. I'm trying to see if I can see little things. Uh, I'm also watching um, any video that may be posted. I always throw out the love to uh, Florida Prospect Report. They do a great job down there in the Florida State League. I, I think it's one of the, one of the writers for baseball America has been posting a decent amount of stuff. Um, I don't know how to pronounce, pronounce his name. Exactly. I, I believe it might be Jeff Pontis. Pontus uh, has been posting some videos, uh, breakdowns of Anthony Solomito, uh, great stuff to watch in Altoona. I mean, just a, a lot of coverage over there uh, from the, the Altoona mirror uh, and then up to Indianapolis, I mean, it seems to be there's a lot more video there, but also, you know, all the broadcasters uh, throughout the system, uh, and also like to share my love with uh, with Anthony Murphy, Murph um, over there at Pirates Prospects, uh, the man who posts and breaks down pretty much, um, like I said, he watches and breaks down more stuff um, than anybody. But let's start down in low A Bradenton, and just kind of what I look for And this is like, let's go with the pitching side at first. And this is something that will be um, throughout the system and and the whole way up into the majors. When I pull up a stat line just to kind of see, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what a pitcher's, you know, outlook looks like, uh, how he's been pitching. I'm I'm not looking at like the the runs, earned runs, different stuff like that, because I mean there's a decent amount of errors uh, down there. As guys are, you know, just getting adjusted to being in professional baseball um, above the, you know, Dominican Summer League and the Florida Complex League, so I always go to with pitchers the WHIP, the walks and hits per innings pitched, and that just kind of tells you, you know, are they putting guys on base? If you have guys on base, more likely your ERA is going to grow and be higher. Um, if you have that lower WHIP, then your ERA and everything else—I mean, I, you could kind of look at it. It should go along with that. So for a starter, I mean, you're looking for that WHIP uh, to be at one point three zero zero or below. Uh, for a reliever, you're hoping it is below 1.00. but if it's up upwards into that, you know, one point one. Max, like a 1.2, especially for some of these younger guys, it's something that can be a little bit overlooked. And to go along with that whip for the pitchers down in Bradenton, down in the Florida State League, I would be looking at the number of walks uh, because it's kind of showing you how much the player is hitting the zone. I mean, the whip goes along with that, with the walks and hits, printings, pitch. I mean, it's right in the name. But just to kind of see uh, how many guys they're actually walking, uh, the strikeouts mean a little bit to me down there, but there's a lot of wild swingers, uh, younger guys, just kind of maybe just getting frustrated swinging at stuff outside the zone. So for me, I, I don't look at that as much. Now on the hitting side, And when we're still down there with the Marauders, uh, the the first thing I look at when I pull it up there, everybody's looking probably at home runs. They're looking at batting average, looking at OPS. Uh, I'm looking at the walk to strikeout ratio. And if you're looking at the walk to strikeout ratio and a guy has a lot more walks or around the same amount of walks as he does strikeouts, it means he's being very patient Uh, with the pitches that he's seeing. And like I said before, a guy could get very frustrated if a lot of the stuff isn't coming into the zone and he, you know, maybe is swinging a little bit more wildly. So I I definitely look towards that. I mean, you can look at OPS because I mean, that takes into, you know, the on base percentage. So that will play into it a little bit. And then also, you know, the OPS is, is there any power with this hitter? It's, It's not that it doesn't mean anything. But my eye goes straight to the walks and the strikeouts, and to see what that ratio is. Now, as you move up through to Greensboro, and if anybody's watching the video here, I do have the Greensboro Grasshoppers hat on here today. I uh, was watching a decent amount of of game and highlights of the, of the Grasshoppers over the first couple of days here of the series. And so, with, with Greensboro, everybody knows Bandbox. We don't even have to say it. It's it's a small ballpark. So things that are fly balls other places will be home runs. I mean, anybody, just for reference, that was watching the Pirates series out there in Colorado and saw Rodolfo Castro hit a ball like 429 feet and it was a fly out to the track. And so you're thinking to yourself, I mean, I I always go to uh Wood It Dong. Um, I believe they're, they're still on Twitter now. I think that they are considered one of those bought uh, accounts or whatever, but it's, it's a great one. And it showed that, you know, it would have been a home run in 29 out of 30 ballparks. And the only place it wouldn't have been a home run, of course, is where they were playing out there in Colorado. But I mean, there's not that thing for the minor leagues and especially in high, high a Greensboro. So for the pitchers on the pitcher side, I, I hate to say. I mean, I, I look at the home road splits, but um, from speaking to a, a lot of people that watch, you know, the games down there in the South Atlantic League, they're saying that there are some um, other small ballparks, not maybe as 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 bandboxy. I'll make that a word now, as where the Grasshoppers play, but I'm not really looking. Uh, too much. If there is a big split there where it's like, okay, I, the pitcher's allowed six home runs at home and is only around one home run on the road, then I you know, I'll just kind of just kind of jot that down a little bit. But once again, the the whip, the walks and hits per innings pitch is the biggest thing I'm looking at. um, and then also the walks and the strikeouts. And that kind of shows you you know how a pitcher is performing. The earn run average to me, not that it doesn't mean anything i mean you don't want to see guys you know having these inflated ones that are up there in like the six the sevens and the eights uh, especially as a reliever Um, but even as a starter if if they're keeping it in the you know the upper threes the fours and even the low fives it's not something that you know i'm not too concerned about now if it's down below three then We're definitely keeping our eye out for that because, you know, you're putting everything together and trying to figure out, you know, what type of pitcher that you may have there on the hitting side. I don't even look at OPS in, in Greensboro. I, I I hate to say that I don't. I, I go straight. Once again, I go to the, to the walk and the strikeouts, the walks first, and then the strikeouts may look at at batting average a little bit uh, just to see, you know, the type of contact that they're making, Um, but beyond that it's walk strikeouts and you've seen guys that, you know, have hit God upwards of like 20, 25 home runs there. And then once they appear in Altoona, I mean, for the rest of the season, it drops down to eight or nine during that same amount of time, even in like, you know, say 200 plate appearances in each place. So, I mean, but if a guy who's supposed to have some power only has, usually I put a cutoff right around 10, then then I start to worry. But this is where, like, some of the stuff that you're watching, if you're watching it in the major leagues, like what I watch for from pitchers, what I watch for from hitters, uh, when I'm looking at the box scores, when I'm, you know, just looking at stats, which I do pretty much, you know, all day, every day. Uh, the wife or friends will ask me. They're like, "What, what are you on your phone doing? Are you tweeting? You doing whatever?" And honestly, I don't tweet that much. I don't Facebook that much. I I don't Instagram that much. I will see some stuff for me there. Some comments, some articles, uh, different stuff like that. But usually, I'm I'm just digging into the stats uh, as much as I can. So once you get up to double A Altuna for pitchers, I'm starting to look at, you know, the the normal quote unquote. Uh, metrics and and stats that you would be looking for from you know, somebody on the Pirates. Once again, like I said, throughout the system, the first thing for a pitcher I look for, I go and I look for that, that whip. And once again, to remind you guys, below a 1.3 for starters, uh, below at least probably a, a 1.1 uh, for relievers at that point in time. And I start to look more at the strikeouts as well. Still keeping an eye on the walks. Uh, But at this point in time, the ERA becomes a little bit more interesting to me. I mean, there are those outliers of of players that may have not had the greatest ERA and AA. I'm looking back to like a Luis Ortiz last year. I believe his ERA uh, in Altoona was somewhere in the 4.5 range. So if you just looked at that and didn't look at his whip and look at his strikeouts, I mean, he did have a little bit of the, the walks uh, issue there, a little bit of command, but I mean, if you just look straight at the ERA and you went down through their list, you'd be like, okay, well, he's probably about the third or fourth pitcher that I'm going to be looking at. And he probably should have been the first or second. So I do start to look at ERA a little bit, but always just not putting um, as much emphasis on that. And then for hitters, um, this is the first time where I start looking at OPS. I go straight to the OPS and I'm looking to see, you know, how much power they have and 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 putting that in conjunction with, you know, the on-base percentage. Are they slugging? Are they getting on base? I look at the average a little bit, but you also have to take into account the, the, the type of player they may be. Some of these guys may not be high average guys, but I would hope, um, even for a player that you know is is more on the power end of stuff, um, in Double A, I I start to get curious if their average is below like a two fifty. Um, I like to see it up above you know the two sixty five for those power hitters because I mean they they should be advanced enough that they should be getting you know more hits, uh, more doubles, more singles, whatever it may be. Along with the home runs for a power hitter, but I definitely start uh, to look at the OPS a little bit more. I uh, like I said before, it, it, the pitchers—it's—it's it's the same metrics you're looking at in the majors. And and for Indianapolis, I mean, it's almost like I would, I would have to be repeating myself a little bit because you know for, for the uh, for the hitters, straight to OPS is the first thing I do. But out of the corner of my eye, this is where, um, and especially with with Altoona a little bit as well, I start to look at uh, the K percentage for those hitters. Uh, If your K rate is uh, creeping up to the 30s, or especially if it's above a 30, uh, I start to look at that in conjunction with the OPS. Um, If your OPS is super high, if you're a power hitter and and you're up over, you know, 30, then the next thing I look for is what is your walk rate? And I mean, if your K rate is approaching 30% in any way, and especially if it's over 30%, you have to be at this point, I mean, you have to be over 10% on the walk rate. Uh, There's no two buts about it Um, because, I mean, my friend... uh, my co-editor over at inside the box basement my brother from another mother you, you've uh, heard on one of these episodes before uh, Gary Morgan also has uh, DK's uh, Pirates fan forum uh, that's out on video every Friday at five I believe and comes out on audio every Saturday morning uh, but basically like once you get into the upper upper levels of the minor league systems, mm-hmm. Your K rate is really only going to go at max about five percent in either direction. So if you're looking at a player who's got like a thirty-five percent, and you're thinking he can get down to a twenty-five percent K rate, chances that happen and are are pretty much slim to none. Now, if you have a guy that you're a little bit concerned about that might be you know twenty-nine to thirty-one, and you want to think he can get down to you know, close to that twenty-five range, then you know what—that's that's something that's within the realm of possibilities. Adjustments can be made on, you know, their chase rates, also their contact within the zone, uh, a different stuff like that. If you want a, a great example of that, uh, go to Inside the Bucks Basement. I wrote an article on uh, Nick Gonzalez not too long ago, and you know where his strikeout rate was at, where his his base on ball rate was actually uh, he was doing pretty well, but you know, where those whiffs were coming at, they were coming in the zone. He also was chasing. So there's like little adjustments that could be made there. Now, as far as pitching, hopefully at this point in time, um, you're getting kind of the polishing, like the finishing touches on what is going to be your repertoire and the type of pitcher you're going to be, you know, once you get to the major leagues. And for that, I mean, once again, just straight to whip. Uh, what does your whip look like? Uh, I'm looking at like you know a Luis Ortiz. I'm looking at a Quinn Priester, uh, a Cody Bolton from the relievers, uh, Carmen Majinski reliever, uh, a lot of guys. It's Colin Selby. I mean, there's just so many that you're looking at. But for for the starters and for the relievers, I'm I'm looking at the whips, I'm looking at the walks, and I'm hoping, uh, especially if you're known as, you know, kind of like that that K pitcher or that whiff pitcher, the guy's getting swings and misses, I mean, I'm really hoping that your Ks per nine uh, is above, <laughs> you know, nine. I'd like – you you better be uh, striking out at least, you know, one batter per inning at that point in time because, I mean, like once you get to the majors, uh, when we had, I believe it was Jack McMullen on here – uh, broadcaster for the Indianapolis Indians, also over at Just Baseball Media. Uh, we had him on, and it's we were talking about, you know, some of these guys maybe swinging at your slider that's out of the zone. Uh, but once you get to the majors, I mean, these are ones that experienced hitters are kind of spitting on. So, I mean, definitely looking at that. Uh, but that's just kind of uh, for people that are basically saying, like, I'm going to give some examples here. I uh, pulled some guys up, you know, right before this. Thought it was th- kind of the best examples at at certain levels as to, you know, why I'm uh, why I'm looking at, you know, kind of like what I'm looking at. Um, like I said, a guy I watched uh, a ton of tape. Uh, I shouldn't say tape because I don't watch tape. I'm not a scout. A guy I watched like a di- breakdowns and videos and, and you know game film and stuff from. I uh, was, was Anthony Solometto. and Anthony Solometto, I mean, if you look at it, like the guy is generating a decent amount of swing and miss in, in 12 innings pitched uh, he has, you know, 16 strikeouts. So there's the good stuff right there. But like I said, I would have went to the whip first to kind of see, you know, to gauge where it was at. And this is an extreme small sample size In 12 innings pitched his whips at a 1.50. I mean, that's obviously going to have to come down, a lot of people, you know, the old school people would look at his ERA, the 5.25. Like I said, in Greensboro, it's not going to to worry me too much, but I like to see it lower. I mean, and with him, you're looking at his age. He's possibly, you know, playing up a level, 20 years old. Uh, most of the guys he's facing are, you know, a decent amount older than him. They're guys that have some experience po- probably against uh, a decent amount of college pitchers. So that's like a guy you know, from Greensboro that I would be looking at. Uh, going up to Altoona, this one, I mean, I went straight to the whip on this one, and, and this is Jared Jones. It's another guy that's, that's playing possibly up a level at 21 years old. Went straight to the whip, 1.32. I mean, like I said, it wanted to be borrowing the 1.3 or below. So it's a little bit higher, getting 14 strikeouts uh, in 13 and two thirds innings and the 2.63 ERA. So you kind of look at that stuff, but then you want to dive into those numbers just a little bit more for me. I mean, he does, you'd be like, okay, he has, he has six six walks, but you know what? He's having a little bit of control issues because he also has two guys that he's hit by pitch. So there's there's other numbers that could kind of go into that, but the whip right now, not putting guys on, keeping the ERA low. If that whip goes higher, you'll probably see the ERA inflate if the you know natural progression, if... The whip goes lower than hopefully the ERA would stay right around, you know, where it is. I went up to uh AAA Indianapolis for this next one, Osvaldo Beto, a guy that wasn't getting, you know, too much attention until he had a few good innings in spring training this past year. And, you know, he's age twenty-seven. We're looking at all these younger guys. We're looking at a Luis Ortiz, we're looking at a Quinn Priester, and you know, Osvaldo Bido kind of flew under the radar a little bit, and for him, I went straight to his career whip. Career whip in 112 games, 486 and a third innings. It's going to tell you a lot about a guy. His whip is a 1.34, so that's saying that this guy could possibly be, you know, a legitimate starting pitcher, and this year, he's he's continued the hot streaks that he had from spring training. In 12 innings, he has about 15 strikeouts, but you would have went to that whip first, and that whip is at .83, and that would be great for a reliever. But this guy is pitching kind of like in a long relief role, but also kind of in a piggyback role. They're putting, uh, I saw the one game, they put a a starter, an opener in front of him, um, and, and he finished, I believe, with about five innings that game. So you're seeing... A lot of good stuff um, from Osvaldo Beto, A guy that I, he got off to a, a super hot start. i uh, just going to go back down to Bradenton for one second. A Thomas Harrington, um, ERA doesn't look great, 7.04 strikeouts, 11 and 7 and 2 thirds. But once again, that whip, the 1.57, um, just a little bit concerning, but that's just like such a small sample size. First time, you know, in professional baseball, Um, but I did look for him, and and it's mostly the hits because he's only walked two guys in those innings and went to those eleven strikeouts. So I would look to see if that continues. He'd get a little bit more swing and miss, and hopefully that WHIP would come down, the ERA would come down. But it's it's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. If we're keeping in Bradenton here, (laughs) told you hitters look straight for the walks. Jesus Castillo is a guy that I believe I listed in my top five Pirates prospects um, this past week. Everybody would say, oh, he's hitting 317. He's got an 832 OPS. You know what? Those are all, all good things. All good things. 13 walks and eight strikeouts. So it's he's showing a good approach to the plate, showing patience of the plate, for a guy that's only 19 years old, uh, and he has a partner in crime down there who has definitely started to kind of go on my radar a little bit. Uh, 20 years old and Manuel Torero. I uh, like I said, let's go straight to. If you went straight to the the walks and everything, the the guy is has seven walks, ten strikeouts. We've got the little bit more power with the the 976 OPS, but as long as I'm seeing the walks and the strikeouts, I, I think at that point in time the average will come along. You'll get them having to pitch into you and into the zone, and naturally, if you're more of a power hitter, more of an on base guy, you'll see your your OPS uh, kind of climb a little bit. One of my uh, favorite players last year from Bradenton got a cup of coffee with Greensboro, is still in Greensboro again. Big power guy in Jace Bowen. Three home runs down there. Like I said, guys, everybody would say that. And then they'd look straight towards the OPS, the 1.021. I'm looking towards the base on balls and the strikeouts. And right now in only 48 plate appearances, so we're under 50, He only has four walks, but has 15 strikeouts. 15 strikeouts in 48 plate appearances, that's going to put you over the the threshold of the 30%, and the four walks is only going to get you right around 8.3. So we'd like to see the walks come up a little bit, uh, see the strikeouts come down a little bit more. A guy that it looks like Altoona is trying to get going a little bit here um, had an amazing... Uh, 2021 had a extremely disappointing 2022, and that's Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier was the player of the year for the Pirates um, in the minor leagues in 2021 uh, and just basically tore it up. But last year, uh, OPS of 617, uh, you saw that power go down uh, because he had had, you know, 20 home runs the year before in Greensboro, but only had six all of last year in Altoona uh, this year, two home runs already, 826 OPS, um, three base on balls, 10 strikeouts, uh, only, you know, 43 plate appearances. So definitely a small sample size, but they've been batting him towards the front of the order. So kind of noticed they've been trying to get him going a little bit there. uh, Something that you like to see. And like I said, everybody go check out the article I wrote on Nick Gonzalez um, because some of this stuff, I mean, he's hitting a little bit better this week. Um and actually over his past probably about four or five games now. Um, but the one thing that is still concerning to me is is this is the K rate. The K rate right now is you know 32.5%. He does, like I said, have the walk rate, usually has always had the walk rate up above 10%. Uh, last year it was 13.6 um in Altoona but you don't want to see the K rate go up by uh, 28.5 last year in Altoona, and it's still 32.5. Uh, that was, you know, in the smallest of sample sizes, right around 40%. So if, if you can get that down below 30, but as a guy who's around 28.5%, 30%, I mean, you're looking hopefully uh, to maybe get that down to 25%, add a little bit of power um, for that point in time. And, and you know, just for reference, it, it's it is nice to see, you know the OPS up over 800 um so it's it's showing that he is getting on base more maybe hitting for a little bit more power but but the K rate definitely has to come down a pitcher, a beer, a pitcher. All right, guys, it's time for those beautiful beer reviews. And like I said, I was at Urban Chestnut, tasted some beers there, brought back some beers from there. And the one that I've been sipping on a little bit here, but since I've been by myself and just been talking this whole time and probably rambling, I, and I haven't been able to, to sip as much is the number six, Stan Musual Classic American Lager, the pride of Denora, Pennsylvania. And this one right here is is the one that I had, you know, more than than one of while I was sitting there, just because it was such such a good beer, uh, just an easy drinking. I uh, comes in right at about a four point five on the weighted based on batting average. I gave it a four twenty five, uh, adjusted down to a three seventy five. Definitely just a, a very good beer. I mean. I said, to everybody, the Pride of Nor, Pennsylvania. If anybody didn't know that, uh, Stan Musial. It's it's a good beer. It's a good honor. So if you go to Urban Chestnut, if you're ever out there in uh, St. Louis, check it out. Next, we're gonna go with the first beer I ever had from Urban Chestnut, uh, that my sister-in-law and her husband had had brought for me when they when they traveled from St. Louis. It's fat. It's Fantasyland, and that is a Midwest coast which usually you get like the West Coast IPAs, the Midwest type, no, the Midwest Coast IPA, um, Fantasyland, this one coming in at 6.5. Once again, around a 4.25, weighted on base average adjusted down to a 3.75. And then we have the Urban Underdog, the Urban Underdog Pale. Uh, This is just a a, a great pale ale. I, I really, really enjoyed this one. Ah, uh, coming in around a four point two. I gave this one uh, four hundred, adjusted down to a three fifty. So just another great beer. And this one I got uh, because of my brother-in-law. You can't really see it. It's, it's it's shining a little bit too much. It's it's the underdog, the urban underdog lime. And he was looking for Bud Light limes wherever we went uh, in our time in St. Louis. So I got him a four pack of this. I uh, brought one home for my wife cuz she said she wanted to try it. I had had a little bit of it out there. Um this one not a big flavoring of of beer kind of guy. I don't even like sours that much. I mean there are sours that I like more, but if you just like kind of if it's just the lime in there, they did a pretty good job with it. I gave it like a 350, weighted it down to 300. Now for this last one. This one's going to be a live one here, guys, because my wife went out and picked this up while I was gone, and I have not tried one yet. And this is the Iron City Iced Tea, the Turners, which, I mean, it probably gets some points just because of coolness with the Turners, the Iron City. But uh, it's it's been getting mixed reviews from the family members and friends that tried it at our house. So this one's going to be a live one. So if anybody's watching this on video, you can maybe see my – facial reaction to what i think of it i don't know what to think of it it's like almost like a punch in the face to a degree i mean i i like turner's iced tea grew up on iron city so it's got like the nostalgia of both of those flavors i don't know if i kind of would have put that together let me take one more sip here today okay not as not as heavy maybe i gotta like like turn it over and shake the next one up because it got a huge hit of the iced tea the first time i tried it and then this time on the second sip it definitely wasn't as much you know what i'm gonna I'm not going to wait this one. This one's just going to be a solid and and because of nostalgia and like I said, everybody, maybe just turn it over to get like some of the, the iced tea to go to the bottom. I'm going to give this just a solid 350. Um, it's one that you're going to have to try uh, for yourself. See if you like it, maybe you'll love it. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a big flavored beer type of guy, but when there's like the subtle hints, maybe that's why the second one was a little bit better. Uh, but for you, anybody that doesn't out there, uh, please go follow at Buck's Basement, follow Minor League News and Brews, follow all the guys I mentioned in the show, follow all the you know, minor league teams, the Marauders, the Grasshoppers, go get your uh, the Curve, the Indians, go get your uh, MILB TV package. It's so easy. I could be sitting there with the Pirate Game on TV and be flipping through know all the games on my laptop on my phone it's just so easy to do and i don't know why everybody doesn't do it